What's up, everybody? This is Craig Stout. You are listening to the AP Laboratory. I'm not your normal host. Kent Swanson is off overseas getting his very high-quality hair product. He's been deprived all this time because of COVID. He had to go on vacation to go and get it. But we've got an excellent guest here with us this week. But before we get to him, I'd like to introduce to you guys... Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. My guy, Maddie Lane. Maddie, how are you doing today? I feel like I'm doing pretty good. I like this new intro. I feel like the flow is a little better. Not the hair flow, because we do miss Kent's hair flow, but he's got to get the, you know, that German hair care product going on. But the flow from, you know, coming from Craig to me is good. Had a busy weekend, but I'm excited. We have a special guest here today. We got Brandon Kylie. Find him on Twitter at BK Sports Talk. But before he gets to introduce himself, I have a very important question. BK, where did you go to high school? Oh, is this a St. Louis thing? <laughs> yes, this is the St. Louis thing. This is Kent's bit. This is Kent's bit. The last time we had anything talk about St. Louis, we got the biggest rant Swanson off air. It didn't get recorded, but the biggest rant Swanson I've ever heard. So we were instructed to ask you where you went to high school. So I did go to Blue Springs. Um, I'm Kansas City, born and raised. Uh, I moved out here guess in what february now i lived out here before i moved to casey and then now i'm back again um been with the same girl for seven and a half years now and she's from here and when you are with a girl that's from st louis you end up moving to st louis that's kind of how <laughs> things work so i'm back out here uh it's been good man and i uh, i'm thrilled to be on with you guys today two local celebrities I'm disappointed Kent couldn't be here, but I mean, being on with a guy that was mentioned specifically in Peter King's Monday morning quarterback column, I mean, it's just, it's really, it's incredible. So Craig, thank you so much for reaching out to me personally. And that'll do it for today, everybody. We're just going <laughs> to... Listen, and if at any point in time you get starstruck and you need a minute, just raise your hand, let us know. I mean, Craig's used to it. We have to take a few breaks. Like, the pressure gets to you when you're on with such a star. I mean, thankfully you have me and not Kent on here with you because, like, it's really hard for me usually. But I guess it's the same now. You're kind of a star in your own right, BK. Like, you don't need to downplay yourself here. No, no, it's no, no, no. I mean, Kent is a local TV celebrity. Craig is being mentioned in national columns. I'm just a humble local radio host. There's a big difference there. BK, uh, give the listeners, maybe we got some St. Louis listeners out there, people within your range, uh, what station you're on, what time you're on, all that stuff. Yeah, so I am, uh, this pandemic's been great to me professionally. Um, I (laughs) have recently been promoted. I am now the midday host at 101 ESPN out here in St. Louis. We are on from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. If you just want to check it out, you can either go to my Twitter account at BK Sports Talk or 101ESPN.com. If you go there, they'll have all the links and everything that you need for a podcast and to listen live during the show. So anybody that wants to, I'd love to have you guys tune in. It's uh, It's been an absolute blast to be able to do this thing, despite the fact that we've got no sports to talk about right now. Right. Yeah, you get, you get the midday sports talk and then nothing to talk about. Absolutely nothing to talk about. It's, I'm surprised uh, Craig isn't calling in trying to get you to talk about what is it, the German soccer league that's going on right now or something? Bundesliga. Or did they postpone that now too? No, no, Bundesliga is still going on. The EPL is going on too. You guys, uh, Europe has sports right now. It's just America doesn't have any sports. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. L- loose usage of the word sports, but I digress. Oh, come on, come on, come on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get to some questions this week. BK is going to sit through a mailbag with us. Give us some Chiefs takes. He was just saying before he got on here that – he, he doesn't get to talk about the Chiefs as often as he used to when he was in Kansas City, so this will be good. So uh, we'll start with AP Nerd Squad at Gmail. If you don't have a Twitter account, if you don't want to leave a five-star review, which you should, then send an email to APNerdSquad at gmail.com. Jake Bond asks... Hello to the Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman of podcasting. I'm claiming Rodman. Speaking of the Bulls, I just watched The Last Dance, and it got me thinking, what would a Last Dance-style documentary of a Chiefs dynasty be named, and which Chiefs players would fill out the Bulls roster? For example, Mahomes equals Jordan, and Big Red equals Phil Jackson. Keep up the great content. So we're each going to pick one or two, and we're going to leave Mahomes as Jordan and Andy as Phil, because those are great. I think this one's easy. Um, I've got one that's the obvious one and another one that's maybe less obvious. The obvious one, I feel like Tyron Matthew has to be Scottie Pippen. 
I mean, if you're looking for the most important defender on that side of the ball, to me, that's got to be Tyron Matthew. Now, the less obvious one would be for me, I think the Chiefs have a very clear Steve Kerr slash Paxson on their roster. And it's Dirty Dan Sorensen. <laughs> Anytime that you needed a big play in a big moment, those guys were coming through for the Bulls, and Dirty Dan is coming through for the Chiefs. So those would be my two. Matthew as Pippen and Dirty Dan, probably more specifically as Steve Kerr. <laughs> I think it's really fitting that we are called the Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman when BK's on and not Kent. I mean, I think this is a perfect time for this question to go through right now. But, uh, all right, so we got Pippen, we got Kerr off the table. I don't have a name for this dynasty documentary. I really don't. I tried to think of something involving, you know, maybe the number 15 for Pat. I was trying to figure something out, but I got nothing for that. I'm not that creative, guys. But uh, I think Dennis Rodman, I'm putting Dennis Rodman to uh, Travis Kelsey. And I think Kelsey's clearly a lot better of a football player than Dennis Rodman was overall as a basketball player. Not clearly, but I do think he's a better football player than Dennis Rodman was a basketball player. But I think just kind of the extra attitude and the energy that Travis Kelsey provides and how important he is to the team, he's kind of the glue that keeps everything together. When you really need him to step up, like when Scottie Pippen was out, Dennis Rodman could do it. He did a good job when he was sat down and told to. Kelsey steps up all the time. I think that's one, and I've struggled to try to figure out some others. I was trying to think of somebody for Horace Grant. I mean, I really struggled with anybody else without having to go with a repeat. I think we are going to have to use Horace Grant. I think we're going to compare him to Frank Clark. Just same thing, doing a lot of the dirty work, a lot of the smaller things that go a little bit less unnoticed. It doesn't get as much publicity as everybody else, but there's just a nonstop intensity. And like I said, doing the dirty work, doing the little things that make the team go. Plus, Horace Grant isn't afraid to slander Michael Jordan in the documentary, and we know Frank would not be afraid to slander. You guys are missing the most obvious one. Big man in the middle, Bill Whittington, is Derek Naughty. Yes. Period. End of story. That's all it is. I don't have another one, but Bill Whittington is Derek Naughty there. Lincoln Cook asks, Happy fourth, of we- fourth Weekend, gents. Happy Fourth Weekend, Lincoln. It seems like teams started to figure out McCall Hardman towards the end of the season, but it also seems like Thornhill started to figure out opponents as the season went on. What can we expect from our sophomores this year? Hardman, Thornhill, Saunders, and Fenton. Which of them has the highest and lowest floor and highest and lowest ceiling in terms of potential? There's a a lot to unpack here. So thankfully for me, this is what I've been writing about for Arrowhead Pride over the last few weeks is just looking at how these guys played as rookies, specifically looking how they progressed from early in the year to later in the year and what really how they helped the Chiefs go on the Super Bowl run. I think Juan Thornhill is the easy one. I think he not only has the highest floor and has the highest ceiling, but you saw it. He really started to put things together as they got the secondary kind of going and gelling together. He was moving around. He was playing in the box, in the slot a little bit more while still maintaining mostly a deep role. They just moved him around a lot more and he started making a lot more plays. If he comes back healthy, I think he just picks up right where that left off. Like I think he's going to play a huge part. I do expect him to be ready early in the season, maybe not week one, but pretty early on. I think just the the outlook for Thornhill is astronomical, especially playing next to Matthew. And just a little nod to Fenton here. I think he could play a big role early in the season if he has to, but at just early in the season, I like some of the stuff I saw with him. It's just he's got a much bigger variance than I think Thornhill does. So I'm going to give Maddie a week off of the McCall Hardman slander, and I'll go ahead Thank and you. do it for him this week. <laughs> um, all right, so I've got some stats for you guys today. I looked this up before the show because I knew we were going to have this question. And I wanted to look into McCole Hardman and why so many people, like I'm a big fantasy player, right? So McCole Hardman's the guy on the Chiefs that is getting all of the publicity of this is the guy you need to draft this year. And I'm not in on McCole Hardman this year at fantasy football. Last year, he had 41 targets, 26 receptions, 540 yards over the course of the season. Over the last decade, The only other receivers with more than 500 yards on fewer than 50 targets. So a lot of yards, very few targets. Devery Henderson, Kenny Stills, Martavis Bryant, Deshaun Jackson. That's a good one. Taylor Gabriel, Will Fuller, and Robert Foster. Those aren't guys for the most part that you want to be in a category with. Let's continue this. Over the uh, the only receivers in the last two decades with more yards per target, so efficiency, on at least 40 targets, so a lot of targets, then McColl last year, Jordy Nelson, Tyler Lockett, Devery Henderson. Do we think that he is Jordy Nelson or Tyler Lockett? I don't know. I don't expect him to be that. 
I think Tyler Lockett, if you're looking at what the ceiling could be for him, maybe it is that. But I don't know where the opportunity is coming for McCall Hardman next year. Where are these targets coming from? Are they going away from Tyreek Hill, who was hurt last year for much of the season? I, I don't see that. Are they going away from Sammy when he's in a huge contract year? I don't expect that. Are they coming away from Travis Kelsey? Are they going to have fewer targets to their running backs when they just added Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I don't know where these targets are coming from. So I'm as excited about McCall's talent as anybody is. I just don't see how he's going to improve numbers-wise on what he was last year without having more of an opportunity, and I don't see where that opportunity is coming from. That's a lot of feast or famine, guys, that you listed right there. A huge feast or famine, which is kind of what McCall Hardman was for most of the year there. So yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of that. And well, yeah, the quick he, addition, a lot yeah. of his plays, too, was yards after the catch. I just like uh-huh. It wasn't like all these big plays he was having were just deep passes down the field like there were a lot of them were short or intermediate passes that he then broke after the catch and I think there's something to be said that that is kind of translatable from year to year but the level at which he was doing it last year is just very rare to maintain and I think you saw that as the season went on like we're talking about very hit or miss it's hard to catch a 10 yard pass every single week and turn that into a 70 yard touchdown it's much more likely to catch the deep bomb repeatedly rather than do that every single week so it's just something to monitor about where the targets come from and how likely it is to do with the same thing again McColl is very likely to have a better season this year with lesser results in terms of the actual numbers and I know that sounds weird to say but McCole Hardman can be a better football player in 2020 than he was in 2019 while also having worse numbers statistically this year than he was last year. And that's kind of what I'm expecting going into the season. Yes, absolutely. If he changes the way that defenses have to cover the entire receiving core, if he changes, he adds that extra element. We talked about it a little bit on some of the previous ones. If he's able to translate that vertical stem into some comebacks, into some different route combinations there, force corners to play him differently than just a go, you know, just a very vertical stretch type receiver there, then that makes a big difference. For me, these guys are covering most of it. I'll hit it really quick. Rashad Fenton, I'm very excited to see Rashad Fenton on the outside. I've always, always, always maintained he's a boundary corner. I want to see him on the boundary. I want to see him start. I have a feeling that he's going to perform well out there. I just think he's wired the way that Spags wants his corners to be. Andy from Pennsylvania asks, if there is one guy in Kansas City that you could realistically trade, who would it be and who or what picks would you want in return? Thanks. Okay, so I've got a player that I would go with here, and it is a former Brett Veach draft pick. It is Breland Speaks. He is basically a wash if you trade him in terms of the cash versus the cap and what you would gain on the cap. But if somebody is willing to give you a conditional late round pick, like a day three pick, conditional depending on how he does this year, how often he plays for that team, I think I'd be willing to make that move. I just don't see what his role is on this year's team. I don't think that he makes you significantly better. Go ahead and move on. Allow yourself to have more developmental guys in that role this year than Breland Speaks, who I have very little faith in. I would trade Breland Speaks if there was one player that I could go with. Obviously, BK did not see the Breland Speaks photo that was taking Chiefs Twitter by storm. BK, he's a renewed man. Why would you trade this? Is it good? He looks a lot slimmer than he looked last year. If he's playing inside, that's not good. (laughs) <laughs> if he, if they're trying to make him a defensive end, that's not great either because he's fairly down on the depth chart there. So yeah, okay. I'm going to be quick with this because we got a lot of questions about Bruin Speaks or a lot of mentions about Bruin Speaks last week. And we ended up talking for what, like 45 minutes about just Chris Jones when he was on the docket. Breland Speaks looks like he's absolutely putting in work and he looks like he's in better shape than he was entering last season for the Chiefs before he got injured. His body type is that of a defensive tackle. Even in this picture where he looks like he's working out very well, he's not. he does not have the same body type as most defensive ends. You can look at Tano Pasno, you can look at Frank Clark, Alex Okafor, the other defensive ends around him. They look entirely different, not only just in the terms of their shape, which is, you know, it's okay for Breland Speaks. It's better than it was, but it's still just okay by NFL standards. The body type in general is just not a defensive end. But mind, I think there's low-hanging fruit here, and I'm going to leave that for Craig. I am going to trade Demarcus Robinson to the Green Bay Packers for Josh Jackson because the Green Bay Packers have absolutely no wide receivers. 
Now, I don't know if they want Demarcus Robinson. They had a chance to go spend money on him. They didn't in the offseason. However, say Devontae Adams gets hurt again. When they didn't have Devontae Adams last year, it was a struggle for them to pass the ball. Aaron Rodgers does need a little bit of help. Go get a proven guy. Demarcus Robinson's a walking 500 yards if you put him on the field. He blocks well. He can do things. He's a quality player. He's just as good, if not better, than a lot of other guys they have. Josh Jackson can't sniff the field out there. Bring him over here. Where would the Chiefs might have been interested in him as a draft pick when he was coming out a couple years ago? Yeah, I'd, I'd trace Chris Jones for a one. Give me a one. But I, to a bad team, preferably, or, you know, a projected bad team. You don't know. I prefer to keep him this season, but if I got to realistically trade somebody, it's Chris Jones for a one. Uh, Kent underscore Swanson asks, this is on Twitter. First time, long time. Why does today's show sound so much better than the normal? Well, we cut the dead weight. Thanks for asking, Kent. At the layman's terms, asks, it's time to shake up the divisions. What team swaps would you make for a more exciting NFL? I think we're each going to try and do two here. Okay, so I've got one that I think makes a ton of sense in particular. Uh, Swap the Chargers with the Seahawks. Seahawks back in the AFC West. Chargers have now their in-town rival with the Rams in the NFC West. The AFC now has another elite-level quarterback that they can go up against with Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. Now you add in Russell Wilson into that mix, and you've got four guys for the next five or so years that are going head-to-head, and that now becomes what the NFL is going to advertise every single season going into the year. So I would switch one in particular that immediately stands out, Seahawks. For the Chargers, AFC West becomes a hell of a lot more fun to watch going into next season. See, I struggled to find any of these. I start, I tried to work with the AFC West too. I found nothing. The best thing I think I got is I just want to put all the Florida teams in the same conference. So let's send the Buccaneers out of the NFC South. And you know what? While we're at it, let's just move the Texans to the NFC South. We're just going to you know shape up, shake up the South divisions, put all of Texas in one conference, all of Florida in one conference, have a little bit of fun there. And the next one, and I wanted to get something with the AFC West, so I'm getting rid of the Denver Broncos, and I know that's a good rivalry for the Chiefs. Like, I hate to lose it. However, I don't feel like the Chiefs have a geographical rival in the AFC West. No team is particularly close that plays in the AFC West. So bring on down the Bears. Would anybody else have more fun than watching Patrick Mahomes gloat after he throws more touchdown passes playing the Bears over and over again? No, and just give me the closest team to the Chiefs, you know, make some kind of rival based on geography. I know that it makes no sense because the Chiefs are already in the AFC West, but give Tennessee to the AFC West. I know it's a long travel. It's already a long travel, but I want Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes in the same division, getting to play each other twice a year, potentially three times a year with the playoffs there. That's the one that I really, really want there. But then BK said, you know, Seattle and the Chargers. And now I kind of really want that. I, I wasn't up for messing with the NFC West much because I really think that's a quality division. But man, if you put the Seahawks back in the AFC West, that would be really fun. Well, I would, that's the I best one. Mind. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Mahomes versus One Wilson. more for you guys. I would take Tampa Bay as well from the NFC South, put them in the AFC East, and switch them with the Miami Dolphins. Ooh. So now you've got Tom Brady going back to the AFC East yes. for at least a year, maybe two. We'll see how much longer. But Tampa Bay going to the AFC East with Miami going to the NFC South, that's already a good division regardless of if you take out Tampa Bay or not. I think that would be one other. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, share the wealth, NFC South. Come on. <laughs> uh, Jayhawk1108 asks, Alex Okafor last season, what does the tape say? Good or bad? Overpaid or underappreciated? I know he got hurt, but I haven't had m- heard much talk about someone who could be an easy cut candidate to help for Jones this year. Yeah, I don't know what I really have to say about Alex Ogafor. I think part of the issue was last offseason, myself, I got a little overly excited for him based on some spurts he had before he got injured. Or like when Alex Ogafor is at his best, he is a quality player. The problem is just getting Alex Ogafor at his best game in, game out, week in, week out is very difficult. And I don't think the Chiefs got it very consistently last year. He was learning a new system. 
playing on a defense when he was healthy was struggling a little bit. So like that's part of it. But I just didn't think he looked as good as he did when he was last at his best with the Saints. I think there was a lot more ups and downs. Now, I'm not ready to say you got to cut him right now this year, but I'd say going forward, I would be surprised if he doesn't show immense improvement that he makes it to that third year of his contract. And that's assuming he stays healthy. He has not stayed healthy, I think, more than one season during his career in the NFL. So it's not likely he plays the whole year. I just think that he's not overpaid. I don't think he's underappreciated right now. He's just a quality player that probably needs to be a little bit more consistent before people really start hyping him up. Alex Okafor's best two games of the season were the game before he got injured and the game he was playing in that he got injured. Like, that's that's right when he started to turn that corner. Alex Okafor was a significantly worse run defender than I think any of us thought. Like, that's a Spags hallmark. You got guys that are going to set a good hard edge and be physical against the run. Alex Okafor was pretty poor, especially when teams did not want to run at Frank Clark at all. Like he basically took away half the field. Teams ran at Alex Okafor with a lot of success earlier in the season. He started to come around. He started to rush the passer a little bit better. So that was a situation where we started to see Okafor coming into his own and then he got hurt. So I'm not sure what we're going to get. If we get the Alex Okafor that we got right before he got hurt, he's well worth the contract. He's well worth being on the field. I think that they have to have that defensive end opposite of Clark the way that Spags wants him. And I think Okafor is just pretty much the guy there right now. He doesn't really have, I mean, I like Tano. I like Taco as much as the next guy, but Okafor is a pretty clear step above them right now. Kenny with the YKK thoughts on Dela McCullough, the running backs coach saying Damian Williams will take a big jump this season. Kenny threw in, maybe he means a big jump to another team. I actually, so first of all, before I get into the Damian Williams side of this thing, uh, Dylan McCullough is one of my favorite guys on the team, coach or player, to talk with. Um, oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. He's really honest, and it's probably why he's never going to be a head coach. Um, but he will give you answers um, to the question that you are asking. And if you ever listen to these interviews, and Craig, I know you got you and Maddie both uh, listen to a ton of these interviews. of the time, the answer to the question has nothing to do with the question that is asked. Dylan McCullough will answer the question. I remember at training camp last year, I asked about uh, Carlos Hyde. um, And I asked him specifically, I said, what do you think Carlos Hyde brings to this team? And all he said to me was veteran leadership. That was the day I knew Carlos Hyde was getting cut. So (laughs) as for the Damian Williams side of this thing... I, I said all of that because I do think he's being honest here. I think you can expect a be- the best version of Damian Williams if he is on the roster come week one because he's going to be in a role that fits him. He's not an every down back. I think we've learned that at this point. He's not a guy that is going to be able to get you 250 carries over the course of the season. He's a really good third down back, and he's a good guy that can spell your starter. And so whatever the best version of Damian Williams looks like, that's kind of what I'm expecting this season. And I think that's what Dylan McCullough was trying to say there with that quote. Yeah, I can absolutely buy that. Like I'm with BK here. I think that he's a great interview. He answers questions about him and Matt, Sam Madison. They are my favorite to listen, to answer questions. They are very real with you. They're pretty upfront and they have nice little energy to them. As far as Damian Williams goes, like, I hope BK's right. And that he kind of has a little bit more of a reduced role that better fits his skill set. I just, my worry with Damian Williams is I don't know if he's the kind of change of pace back that you can bring in for five carries and expect on those five carries for him to hit a big run. I almost feel like he needs the workload before he starts hitting some of those big runs. He kind of has to get into rhythm. His, this, the lack of vision and I think looseness in hips makes it really hard for him to maximize the minimal amount of runs. But as a receiver, as a blocker, I love Damian Williams. When they first brought him in, I think, you know, Kent, Craig, and I were all really big on him as a third down running back, as a guy to come in, runs vertical routes from a running back position, blocks incredibly well. I think Ryan Tannehill just about wrote a love letter to him about him because he loved him as a pass protector and a receiver. It's like, I love that usage for Damian Williams. My only issue is Clyde Edwards Hilaire is better at all of that than he is. So, like, outside of being fast, like, I don't know where I'm excited to see Damian Williams on the field over him. Now, I get it. Running back by committee is a thing of the NFL right now. You can't give Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, 800 snaps this season. So, I'm fine with it if he's on the roster. I think there is a use. It's just, it'll be interesting to see how that battle goes. I think it could be a little bit more of a battle than some fans think right now on either side. Because I think we kind of all agree that Clyde should start. 
there's some other thing. Damian Williams is still going to be, you know, the running back one A. You you mentioned that Ryan Tannehill wrote a love letter to him. Joe Burrow wrote a love letter to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Whose love letter weighs more right now? Is it Burrow's or Tannehill's? I don't know, man. I mean, Tannehill damn near won the MVP last year for the second half of the season. So that's, that's true. <laughs> that is that's very, very true. Drewski Ed 13 asks, has Andy Reid surpassed Hank Stram as the Chiefs' greatest head coach? So I think we're a year away from this. Um, Hank Stram coached the Chiefs for 12 years. He had four playoff victories, but that also resulted in an AFL championship, a Super Bowl title, and another appearance in the Super Bowl. Andy's coached for seven years with the Chiefs. Five playoff wins, so already more playoff wins, but the playoffs are different now than they were back then. An AFC championship game appearance and a Super Bowl victory. I think he needs one more nice Super Bowl run to be able to overtake Hank Stram as the greatest Chiefs coaches of all, of all time. I fully anticipate that's going to happen, but I think you still need one more year from Andy before we make that claim. I would agree with absolutely all of that, but next season when the Chiefs win it all again, they're just going to go ahead and start constructing the Andy Reid statue. So we are going to take a break. We will be back with more of your questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Answering more of your Twitter questions here, Iced Goose asks, Last season, many fans wanted Veach to trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, the lesser Miami Fitzpatrick. Shout out to Fitzmagic the Goat. All right. Pitt eventually traded a first and then swapped some late rounders for Minka. My question for y'all is, would you rather have Minka or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, knowing how that all shook out? Listen, no, Kent is not here right now, so Craig can back me up on this. I was on the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire bandwagon far before Kent was. I was big on Clyde during the middle of the season last year when he was just kind of a guy playing there with Joe Burrow in that LSU offense. Big Clyde fan. Give me Minka Fitzpatrick, and I don't think it's particularly close for that first-round pick. And it's rough to say that, seeming the Chiefs did just win the Super Bowl. And I think if you look at which one kind of makes the upside of the team look a little bit better going forward, you might think a team that just won the Super Bowl with improvement at running back would probably be the answer. But no, give me Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't care if I play him at safety. I don't care if I try to transition him back to outside corner like he played at Alabama for a little bit before coming to the NFL. Minka Fitzpatrick was a stud for the Steelers last year. Imagine putting him out there with Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, Dan Sorensen at times. Like, Good luck throwing anywhere in the middle of the field, and that's assuming you don't want to change him position somewhere else. I just think the secondary would be so much better, and I could deal with more Damian Williams and Darwin Thompson going on in the backfield if I got Minka Fitzpatrick. And I think just looking at the Chiefs, I don't think Minka Fitzpatrick was the last defensive back they were considering adding last year. So I think that kind of tells you where they stood on the whole situation too. The same reason why Chiefs fans and you guys specifically wanted a safety in the first round of the draft. And the same reason that we're talking about potentially trading Chris Jones for a safety is the same reason why the obvious answer here is going with Minka Fitzpatrick. Because first of all, he's an incredible football player that makes the defense even more versatile than they already are. He's incredibly bright. You rarely hear Nick Saban talk about uh, defensive players the way that he talked about Minka Fitzpatrick coming into the season. 
he basically going into his senior year became the end-all be-all for the defense. He was in film room sessions with Nick Saban to de- uh, decide what they were going to do defensively. I mean, that, he had unbelievable trust for Minka. So two years left on his rookie deal, $4 million for those two seasons. Then you've got the fifth-year option. He doesn't really have to get paid until 2023. Yeah, go ahead and take the all-pro safety over the running back, even though I think we're all happy with the fact that they have the running back. Very happy with Clyde. Give me Minka nine ways to Sunday. I, it's it's not particularly close. And just to let you guys know, um, when the Chiefs were rumored to maybe be in on Minka Fitzpatrick a little bit there, I did go and watch plenty of boundary corner snaps that he played at Miami. And guess what, guys? He could play boundary corner too. So I would have been more than fine with making that trade. Craig has the biggest arsenal of saved clips and like article drafts of players that never touch a Chiefs uniform than anybody else in the world world for their respective team listen when uh, when james bradbury ends up with the chiefs here <laughs> in another four years i'm gonna have the article ready already that's that's all i'm saying well the shot breeland one came through for you that's true yeah that's true i got to just recite like i actually wrote that one so yeah that that paid off in a big big way what's adonis alexander up to <laughs> That's true. That's true. I do have an Adonis Alexander. We got a Sam Beal one, I think, too. Yeah, let's go. Just put together every former first round draft pick that was a bust, and eventually you'll be able to go ahead and use those for the Chiefs. It's true. I should I should have known better. I should have started the Darren Lee review early last offseason. At Captain Denny, I know this is a polarizing question, but is it time to consider a name change if you think yes, do you have any ideas that align with the rulers theme, aka Royals, Chiefs, Kings, and Monarchs? I don't have a good name change, but I will say this. If you're a Chiefs fan and you're sitting back right now watching everything that's taking place with Washington, probably going to change their name. The Cleveland Indians are almost assuredly going to change their name, or at the very minimum, their logo. We're going to see it with the Atlanta Braves as well. Be prepared that the conversation's coming for you next. I don't know when that's going to be. Maybe it's a year from now. Maybe it's six months from now. I don't know how far off we are from that conversation, but it's coming. And it's going to come around to the Chiefs, and there's going to be some uncomfortable discussions that have to take place. And listen, whenever those conversations take place, I feel like at this point in time, given everything that's going on around us, listen to what is being said. And if it sounds like something that should change... Maybe it should change. I'm, I I don't know. I, I don't have the answers here the same way that I don't think a lot of people have answers for this question. But is it going to be a conversation if that was the question that was asked here? Yes, it's going to come and it's it's going to come sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think the conversation's right around the corner. I think bigger than just the name, I think, for the Chiefs is some of the the way fans treat it with you have the tomahawk chop, you have people that do dress up with headdresses and kind of just honoring in some way Native American culture, but other ways people aren't going to see it that way. It's like, I think it's coming. And if you have to change the name, you have to change the name. Like nothing about the name Chiefs has decided anything about my fandom. I didn't decide as a five-year-old that I'm going to root for the Chiefs and not something else. I didn't decide at some point in time that like Chiefs is the only team I can root for. I don't quite understand like the connection to the name specifically. Same thing with when teams rework jerseys. Like I care if they look bad or good, but I have no qualms. Some people don't like if the concept of the Chiefs redoing their jerseys because it's the way it's always been. I don't have a connection to the jersey. I want it to look good. I want the name to sound good, but I don't care what it is. I'm still going to be a Kansas City whatever fan no matter what. So if they change their name, they change their name. The only thing I would ask, if you do change your name, do a complete rebrand, change something yep. about the uniform. Please don't rock, just change it to Monarchs and have the exact same uniform because the color scheme's kind of close. Like, please do a complete rework of something. Like, it's a complete rebrand. Don't just change the name and try to trot out the exact same thing. But either way, change the name, don't change the name. It will not change me being a Chiefs fan whatsoever, and it shouldn't for anybody. Here's where I put on my old man hat. I would buy every piece of Kansas City Monarchs gear that is out there. My goodness. I own Kansas City Monarchs gear. I would gladly buy my football team, the Kansas City Monarchs gear. And I'm with Maddie. I'm going to support this team regardless. So I'm cool with whatever there. At Kyle K 466 010 36. 
What is more likely this season? Tyreek has over 1,250 yards, or McCole Hardman has over 1,000. Okay, let's let's be honest here, guys. <laughs> McCole Hardman is not getting close to 1,000 yards this season. You can clip this, you can use it as a drop, you can go ahead and tell me how wrong it is. I don't care. It's not happening this year. The opportunity is not there the skill set is not there yet for a 1,000-yard receiver. That's just not who McColl is, and that's okay. He can still be a really good, really nice player to have on your roster without being that guy. So with that in mind, it's very clearly Tyreek Hill over 1,250 yards. I said this going into last season, and I still believe it to be true. I think Tyreek Hill is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I, I really do. I, I think if you were to break it down of the most indefensible receivers, and if that's the way that you look at, at it, I think he's number one on the list for me. His speed is unbelievable. His route running is incredible. His start-stop is unlike any other player I've ever seen in my life. Tyreek Hill would be right at the top of that power ranking for me. I expected a huge year going into last season before the injuries. I think that year is coming this season, so give me Tyreek Hill 10 times out of 10. I'm just going to stick to the Tyreek Hill part because I'm with PK. I just, I don't, I can't even entertain the latter part of that question at this point in time, just without injuries. I just don't see how that one's possible. But for Tyreek Hill, again, big expectations last year. He had a very hectic offseason, to state it mildly, and then had an injury earlier in the year that really threw off it. He actually had the lowest yards per catch he'd had since he was a rookie last year, which I didn't see coming. But then you go back and watch the tape. He's so much better of a wide receiver than he was even last year in terms of his route running, some of the detail to his routes. I think he took over games for the Chiefs. You saw that. I'm with BK. I think he's the most dangerous, arguably the most impactful wide receiver in the NFL. Like that speed, the way he changes defenses is absolutely just, it's unmatched by anybody else besides maybe Deshaun Jackson in his prime was like the only other guy that really had that same level of deep threat. So I think him going over 1,250 is almost a given if he's healthy all year. I just think him and Mahomes just have that kind of connection. It's going to be nearly unstoppable. They, uh, the Chiefs put out a big, you know, if you guys want, if you guys run out of fireworks, a clip on Twitter where they posted all of the touchdowns from the 2019 2020 season. And I had forgotten about the Tyreek Kill touchdown in Houston, his first game back. Between two defenders, the shortest guy on the field going up and high-pointing the ball over two defenders, you, he's not your typical wide receiver. He is hes a freak athlete, and frankly, yeah, that just makes him ridiculously hard to defend. It doesn't matter if you bracket him. It doesn't matter if you try and take him out of the game. He still finds a way to impact it, as we've seen now through a couple seasons here. So, yeah, it's Tyreek pretty easily here. All right, we naturally got some Chris Jones questions. And so we're going to run through several of these in a row here about Chris Jones. Will Amos 1 asked, can you explain the details of the franchise tag a little bit, especially with Jones considering sitting out? How does that affect how many times the Chiefs can tag him? What if he only sits out of training camp or part of the season versus the whole season? And then a shout out to uh, Boomer91 asking about if the Chiefs get to recoup some of their salary cap from the franchise tag of Chris Jones holds out they do not that is on the salary cap right now it will be charged to the salary cap whether or not chris jones plays and regarding him sitting out here the chiefs can tag him again next season and it won't it will be considered the second tag even if he holds out all year and does not play a la Le'Veon bell it will still be considered the second tag so they will have to pay him another 120% basically of what the franchise tag is this year. If he sits out of training camp or part of the season, it's not that big of a deal. If he shows up before week 10 of the season, the Chiefs have to pay him his game checks for that you know franchise tag from there on out. It's just Chris Jones doesn't get any of that money if he's sitting on the sidelines. So something to consider going forward there. At Graver Tanner asks, if Chris Jones holds out and misses weeks of the season, who steps into the starting spot? Are there any street free agents worth signing, Maddie? That's the issue. I think if Chris Jones is going to sit out, the Chiefs are going to have to do something. They can't go in there ex expecting Breland Speaks, Braxton Hoyt, and Tershawn Wharton 
to start playing some snaps here. Like you got kind of lucky last year that Colin Saunders was able to flip a massive switch from the preseason to when he started playing in week four, five, whatever it was. You can't expect Wharton to do the same thing coming from an even smaller school even earlier on in the year. So if Chris Jones sits out, you have to go to the veteran free agent market and see who's out there and bring somebody in. I just don't think the defensive tackle depth is very good right now for the Chiefs if Jones isn't going to play. There's some names out there. You know, I think we're going to get to some of them here in a little bit, but there's some names out there if Chris Jones is out. I don't think they have the depth, though, to wait him out at this point in time. So one nice thing about if Chris Jones sits out, and listen, we're all hoping that he ends up being back for 16 games and plays the entire season for the Chiefs, but let's go down this path, right? This hypothetical scenario. If he sits out, he basically takes off a million dollars each week that he sits out because it's $16 million franchise tag. Each game check is roughly a million dollars. So you have that to play with. So if he misses a few weeks, if he sits out, let's say six weeks, you've got $6 million that you're going to be able to work with there. Snacks Harrison, Jadeveon Clowney, Everson Griffin, Mike Daniels. Now, Clowney and Griffin, of course, are defensive ends, but maybe you're able to move a defensive end inside and if you go that route. Daniels and Harrison are both out there that are defensive tackles that kind of fit what Spags wants to do a little bit more. I would I, I would like to see them go after my guy Marcus Golden. Now, I know he, Maddie, the first thing he'll say is he doesn't fit any of the thresholds. He doesn't meet anything <laughs> that Spags wants from a defensive end. All of that is 100% true. But if you look at the skill set of what Marcus Golden brings to the table, he is kind of what Spags wants from his defensive ends. He's going to give you a good edge. He's really strong against the run. And he's going to work his ass off as a pass rusher. He actually, in that way, reminds me a little bit of Frank Clark in the way that he rushes the passer. He's just all effort all the time. And he's one of the best dudes you'll ever meet. So Marcus Golden would be a guy that I would pound the table for. He's on this like weird tag from the Giants right now where if he gets paid more from somebody else, he can take that offer. But technically, they have like the right of first refusal. It's a weird situation. But four, five, six million bucks, go ahead and bring in one of those dudes. See, of course, we couldn't get through the entire podcast without BK bringing up a Mizzou guy. Of I mean, course, <laughs> we had to get in. Listen, that. we got to have him back on when it's draft time because I got some Missouri players out there that we got to talk about with the draft too, Craig. That's true. That's true. Missouri, Missouri's going to have some uh, some draftable players this year. That's that's for a different podcast. We'll have you back on for that one. At Brandon four twenty two says, pick one, Chris Jones or. Snacks Harrison and Jamal Adams. I have been leading the Jamal Adams hype train. I am here for Jamal Adams. He's awesome. He's a really good football player. And I think a a conversation that not enough fans are having right now, and it's an uncomfortable one, is the very real possibility that Tyron Matthew doesn't get re-signed here. Now, I'm not saying it's going to for sure happen. But Tyron Matthew has two more years left on his deal. We all know he has an injury history. We don't know what he's going to look like as a 30-plus-year-old defensive player when speed is so important on the back end. I know uh, you guys talk all the time about top-tier athletes in that defensive backfield. Very soon, he's not going to be one of those types of guys. So if you've got Jamal Adams, it at least gives you insurance back there of a young player that can fill in that Tyron Matthew type of a role And then you just roll with that guy with Juan Thornhill and boom, you've got your safeties of the future while also having your safeties of the present. I think he makes a ton of sense for this team. Chris Jones and the Chiefs very clearly are not seeing eye to eye. I'm here for it. I know it's going to be unpopular, but I would be here for a Jamal Adams trade straight up for Chris Jones. And I love having BK on the podcast. I feel like I don't really have to say much. Like he kind of gets just about every point I need out there. Um, yeah, give me snacks, Harrison and Jamal Adams. I think Jamal Adams, I, I've tweeted about this a couple times now. I think I've retweeted out there. The worst case scenario, if you trade Chris Jones for Jamal Adams, like if that's roughly how the deal works out, you get Jamal Adams for more years for cheaper than you get Chris Jones. And you know, he's going to show up to play at least for the first year. And I think you can make that more impactful then you can make just a single or a partial single year from Chris Jones. It is the way it sits right now. And then I get to add in somebody like Snacks Harrison, who was absolutely elite, albeit a few years ago, but an elite defensive player, an elite interior defensive player for Steve Spagnuolo with the Giants. Like That's a no-brainer to me. You could even sub sub out Snacks for Mike Daniels, like BK mentioned earlier. 
I would love Jamal Adams with Juan Thornhill, with Tyron Matthew on this defense. He's essentially the LSU version of Minka Fitzpatrick. Maybe he doesn't have that outside corner ability, but he's the same kind of player. Dave Aranda, I'm sure, would talk just as nicely about Adams as Saban does Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he has the linebacker potential that Minka Fitzpatrick does not have. That's the other part of that. He just, if you're looking at this from a team building standpoint, I think it's very clear Chris Jones after 2020 is probably not going to be a chief. I think we can fairly certainly stand on that box. They are at a major impasse here. So unless something changes in the next 10 days here, not nine days when you guys are hearing this, I think that Chris Jones is probably not going to be a chief beyond this next year. Jamal Adams is under club control. The Chiefs may see, you know, that they want to pay for Jamal Adams after moving on from Tyron Matthew. But in the two years that you get Juan Thornhill, Jamal Adams, and Tyron Matthew together, good luck. Absolutely good luck throwing in the middle of the field. Good luck having any sort of crossing route, you know, pay any sort of dividends for you. You just basically limit what offenses can do. And when you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field, if you are limiting what the opposition can do on that side of the field, it just, it's silly. You it, All of a sudden, you start talking about major dynasty potential simply by adding Jamal Adams. Yes, you get worse. You move on from Chris Jones. You get worse on the front. Certainly you do. Nobody's saying that you don't, but in 2020 and 2021, you have Jamal Adams under contract. I, I just think that from a longer-term perspective, he makes a lot more sense. At Cole McPherson 16, do you think a Chris Jones or Jeff Simmons or Quinnen Williams trade would be a possibility? And if so, which player would you prefer? We're getting out there on this one. I don't think it's a possibility. I think part of the issue right now is simply how Chris Jones and his team has handled the situation. I think knowing you have to pay Chris Jones the absolute most money you could possibly have to pay him right now for a team makes him much less desirable than if he was willing to play out this year on the tag or to come to the table and negotiate a little bit more, but they've drawn a hard line in the sand. So that already limits your teams down. And then after that, I don't think the Titans or the Jets are ready to give up on their second-year defensive tackles that were would both have been top 10 picks if Simmons wasn't hurt. Quinn Williams obviously was. I think Simmons for the Titans actually flashed quite a bit for a guy that came back from injury middle of the season. I think he was very good for them in spurts. And there's they got rid of Jarrell Casey for a reason. Jeffrey Simmons is a huge part of that reason. Quinn Williams didn't have near the rookie season that I think most people thought he would for the Jets. He was a young guy, and I think you started to hear reports that he was a little naive. You know, he was just, he was very young, and it showed. And I think he's only going to go up from here. He's an athletic freak. No one's worried about him right now. I don't think either guy would trade for him, but I would take Simmons. I think Simmons fits the Steve Spagnuolo defense a little bit more, even though I thought Quinn Williams was a better prospect coming out. Yeah, I would go Simmons if you could get one of these teams to trade you one of their prized prospects for Chris Jones, but... What's the incentive for them to do exactly that? You're getting older, more expensive, and the Jets certainly aren't contenders right now. So why are they getting older and more expensive at a premium position than they are right now? And for the Titans, they've got other cap concerns right now that they've got to deal with. They just paid their quarterback, whether you think they should have or not. They paid him. They've got to figure out what they're going to do with Derrick Henry long term. They've got other stuff that they've got to deal with on the cap situation, so I wouldn't think that they would be interested in this either. I think it's a long shot for either of those two teams to even be interested in this, but if they're interested, I mean, I would definitely consider it from the Chiefs' perspective. Yeah, Quinn and Williams, I think, is the only one of those two that has a real shot. Jeffrey Simmons is a monster, you guys. He's an absolute monster. The only reason that he fell to the Titans is because he got hurt, and nobody was quite sure how he was going to come back, and he came back early and was ridiculously effective for the Titans. So he's going nowhere. Quinn and Williams showed a little bit of immaturity this offseason. Uh, he got in some trouble. I think he's the only one that really has an opportunity to come free of those two, but for all the reasons BK said right there. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You're going to pay a guy a lot more money to basically take the same spot that your guy that you spent a very, very premium asset on. So in that regard, the Chiefs would have to pony up for him. I've got a late edition. This one comes from at uh, BK Sports Talk on Twitter. <laughs> um, hey, guys, would you rather have Chris Jones this year 
or Everson Griffin slash Jadeveon Clowney and either Daniels or Snacks. Which one would you prefer to have? A combination of those defensive end, defensive tackles that are free agents currently, or Chris Jones, and you're obviously getting a first round pick in this situation as well in a trade. Yeah, no, from, I mean, it's obviously the package of players there. Like I would take, Clowney especially, I know slight against Everson Griffin. He's been a great player throughout his career and he's still very good. I mean, go back and watch the playoff game. He was absolutely a monster, but Clowney fits a little bit better. He, Everson Griffin has essentially only played one position, the same side of the defensive line for, you know, the last five, six years. He kicks inside some, but not at the same clip that Jadavion Clowney does. I think Clowney's a little bit better run defender, which matters to Steve Spagnuolo. So give me him. You can give me any defensive tackle that comes with him. Heck, you could give me a second round pick if I thought it was going to be in the top half of the draft and I'm taking that deal just because I don't know if I'm getting a full season to Chris Jones and I'm, that's the most I'm getting is a full season. Like, I don't think the drop off would be that big having Clowney plus, you know, Mike Daniels or Snacks instead of Chris Jones to roughly the same team to me. Clowney has that inside-outside versatility that Everson Griffin does not have. And we know that Steve Spagnuolo covets that. Uh, it's not just the run defense, although that makes a big difference. But if you, essentially, if you are able to add Clowney, Alex Okafor, then all of a sudden does become a little bit more you know, expendable. And you can save some money against the cap in that regard as well. Adding Daniels, you save a little bit more for Chris Jones. You pay, you know, Patrick Mahomes everything in the world to stay a Kansas City Chief forever, and then you can kind of move on from Chris Jones and that. Yeah, I'd probably do that. I'm fascinated by the possibility. Like, if if I'm Brett Veach right now, and I'm getting offers from what I believe, let's say the Jets, right, just to kind of throw out a team, because we know they're not going to be very good next year. Um, if they're saying, hey, we'll give you a second-round pick right now for Chris Jones, and you get on the phone, and you're talking to Clowney's agent, and you get on the phone, and you're talking to Snacks Harrison's agent, and between the two of them combined, you're going to have to pay them $16 million. So you're literally just shuffling out the $16 million franchise tag for Chris Jones for a second-round pick, and you're bringing in on one-year contract Snacks Harrison and Jadeveon Clowney for a total of $16 million this year. That would be really hard for me to pass up if I'm Brett Veach. And I understand that Chris Jones is a fan favorite. He's a fantastic player. He's done just about everything right. I think Maddie put it to put it really well last podcast about how not everything right, but most of the things right. It would be hard, but I think I would be in favor of making that move. It'd be hard for me not to. And Kent, if you're listening, prepare yourself. But that that comp pick you get from Clowney the year later is going to be just <laughs> as good as the one you get from Chris Jones if he walks away the same time. Chris. Man, he's uncomfortable right now. He's real uncomfortable. All right, that's the end of the Chris Jones questions. Uh, we got a lot more from you guys, but a lot of them were stuff that we covered in the podcast previous to this, so please go back and listen to that. Chances are we answered your question in a roundabout way. Uh, a couple more here, and we'll get out of here. Derek Vreeland asks, do you believe Juan Thornhill will start week one? Yes or no? I do. I have no reason not to believe that he's going to start week one. So I will say yes to this, but this is more of a medical question than anything else. Like in terms of ability, of course, he's going to start week one. So it really just comes down to how that ACL has um, recovered since last season. But I'm going to go out on, on a limb and say yes here. I'm also going to say yes. Fun story, when I was on the way down to Miami for the Super Bowl last year, I was flying into Tampa, but I actually met somebody that was from the hometown of Juan Thornhill. She was a teacher in high school, I believe, of Juan Thornhill's and good friends with, I believe, his mom or dad. And she spent a good 10 minutes talking to me about him because I was wearing my Chiefs gear. And all she talked about was how hard he worked to get to this point. Like, it wasn't, you know, he was a good player, but a very good kid, just how hard he worked if he has a chance to work hard and get himself back to being healthy for week one, just based on even this conversation from someone that knew him, I think that he will. There, like BK said, there's no reason to think that he won't. If he's healthy, he's definitely starting over the other safeties. So I'm going to lean towards yes until there's a reason to think he's behind in his recovery. At Sports Guy Sean O, what is the weirdest chief stat of all time? I love this question. I love this question too. So I went down like a rabbit hole earlier today of trying to figure out what the answer to this would be. <laughs> I found this and I like this one a lot. Dan Saliamua is one of just three Chiefs players in team history to record multiple safeties. 
So that would be mine. <laughs> oh, I love that. Do you know who else did I it? I love that a lot. Oh, I'll have to pull it up, but I can by the end of this question. <laughs> okay, okay. So we, I'm not a big stats guy, so this, this is one I did have to go searching for, but the first couple that jumped in my head, the one I got here, the Chiefs have had on their roster the heaviest player to ever throw a touchdown pass, and up until I believe it was last year, the heaviest player to ever score an offensive touchdown, and that was, of course, Dontari Poe. Now, Vita Vea did catch a touchdown pass last year, which makes Dontari Poe the second heaviest to score one, but he is still the heaviest player in NFL history to throw a touchdown pass at 346 pounds is what he was listed at for both of these. The weirdest Chiefs stat of all time for me is always the, the Chiefs didn't throw a touchdown pass to a wide receiver in 2014. How do you do that? How does an Andy Reid offense do that? That's impossible like you have to actively try which aj jenkins did when he was wide open running down the sidelines by himself and just decided to step out of bounds oh there's the sideline just an absolute atrocity of a stat there i've got the answer for you guys any guesses on the other two i think you'll probably at least get Derek one thomas. of these Derek thomas and Derek yeah. thomas is one jared allen bill moss Bill Moss, my guy Billy Bob was the other. Gotcha. Nice, nice. Random stats for you guys. That's what we bring BK in here for. (laughs) (laughs) At Mike C and KC, give me your sleeper prediction for the Chiefs this year as in one guy who will exceed expectations. Maddie and I have kind of already done this, so we're just letting BK kind of chime in here to talk some Chiefs. So I love this question, and it kind of goes off of my answer to the McCole Hardman questions that we've had so far today. It's Sammy Watkins. Um, I'm not expecting like some huge 1200 yard season from Sammy Watkins, but Sammy's clearly the number two receiver on this team. They don't bring him back for the money that they spent on him. If they're not expecting him to be able to contribute in that role, he's got a huge fan in Andy Reid. Say what you will about the guy. Andy loves him. And so I'm expecting a quality season out of Sammy. And I think some Chiefs fans are going to be surprised by what he's able to contribute this year. I'll go Sammy Watkins as my sleeper pick. All right. At Chiefs Lutz 11 is going to close us out here. What is the one thing that can stop the Chiefs from a repeat as Super Bowl champions? I mean, there's some stuff out there, and I'll let these other guys kind of get to that. But my one big thing that's going to stop them, it's Sammy Watkins. And the only reason I say that... I don't know if he's going to be in Sammy Watkins' body. I don't know if he's going to be in Andy Reid's body calling up only plays to himself. I don't know what defender on an opposing team. No, I'm kidding here. I mean, I, Sammy Watkins was a very good pick for a sleeper player. I think he's extremely underrated for the Chiefs' success right now. I mean, the thing that's going to stop them, though, is, I mean, things going off the rails with injuries. I mean, we saw a little bit of it last year with Pat getting hurt a little bit. You had some other injuries throughout the year. That's the only thing stopping them from being the Super Bowl favorite or a favorite any week of the season coming up. So, I mean, injuries, injuries and injuries piling up. And besides an injury to Pat, just injuries piling up. That's the only thing that's slowing them down right now. It's COVID. I mean, okay. the answer here <laughs> yeah. is very clearly the global pandemic that's taking place right now and the possibility that Patrick Mahomes tests positive in the postseason and is not available in the biggest games of the year. That is the one thing that I am afraid of. That is the one thing that's going to keep them potentially from going on a repeat. I think they're the best team in the AFC. I think they are superior to every other team in the conference, and the best team doesn't always win, but when you've got the best team, the best coach, and the best quarterback, you've got a pretty darn good shot of doing so. So the one thing for me that could stop them is COVID-19. See, that's not going to be the case, BK, because that's in 2021, and we're putting all this 2020 crap behind <laughs> us, so that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's it's injury. You, Your team has Patrick Mahomes. There's nothing that should ever stop you from being in the running for the Super Bowl short of him being hurt, because we've seen what he can do. We've seen the ability to take over games. I, I Listen, he has plenty of help from his targets, you know, or from, you know, his receivers and everything like that, but... I think you've seen with the way that Brett Veach is approaching the draft, he's always going to have those. So as long as you have Patrick Mahomes on your team, you're golden. So that's that's the long and the short of it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. BK, thanks for joining us this week, Thank man. You. Really good to have you on finally. So uh, everybody, 
Go follow him at BK Sports Talk. You got anything you want to sign off with, BK? I do, because you guys recently went over a million uh, downloads or listens or however you guys are doing it these days. Um, it's an unbelievable podcast. We are hugely grateful to have you guys as podcasters in the Chiefs first. Um, we're very lucky, in all seriousness, um, to be able to have an incredible podcast and the guys that have done all the work at Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney and you guys, um, we are lucky to have you. And as someone who recently moved away from Kansas City, this is my way of keeping up with the Chiefs on a day-to-day basis. So I hugely appreciate you guys allowing me to be a small part of it today with at least one celebrity while the other celebrity is back home slacking off. This podcast got a lot smarter, nicer, and more handsome this week. I don't know what's going on. Really, it's amazing. So, yeah, look for BK next week on the AP Laboratory Podcast. Thanks for listening, you guys. All right, PK, your check's in the mail for all those nice things you said.